bring you a few thoughts from the book of Galatians. The book of Galatians, chapter 5. We have been speaking about God speaking to us. And I've heard and I've seen testimony, not just this morning, but from some of you that God is doing this. That God is speaking. He's speaking out of his word. He's speaking by his spirit. You're hearing his voice. I say praise the Lord for that. We want to hear his voice. Don't we? We want to hear what he has to say. We want to hear what his word says. We want to hear what his spirit says. We want the spirit of God to have his work in us. Not just so that we can hear him, but so that he is doing his work in us and we're becoming what he wants us to be. And sometimes that happens through the valley times, the tough stuff, the the physical problems, the things that come into our life that are hard. God specializes in working through hard things. He doesn't look away from hard things. He looks at hard things, and he lives in hard things, and he walks us through hard times and hard things. There are evidences when the Holy Spirit is at work in someone's life. There's evidences that the Scripture talks about. Jesus talked about the Holy Spirit being like a wind. In fact, in Acts chapter 2, that's how the Holy Spirit came upon the church, like a wind. How many of you have ever seen the wind? How many of you have seen evidences of the wind? We don't see the wind blow. We see the evidence of the wind blowing. So it's like with the Holy Spirit. We don't see him tangibly, but we see what he does. We see evidences of him at work. There were physical signs the day of Pentecost, like sounding of the blowing of a violent wind, and there were tongues of fire, and there were folks that spoke in other tongues, enabled by the Holy Spirit. Those were the evidences that God was up to something, and by his Spirit, he was moving through his church, his people, and he was filling them, and he was empowering them, and he was preparing them to be bold witnesses for him in the last days. I want to say this morning, I don't think God has any other agenda for his church on the earth than the same thing, that God would fill us with his Holy Spirit so that we have power to share Christ. We have power to stand. We have, we have power to live the lives that he's calling us to. And we have the power to see others come to know Christ in these last days. My friend, you know, the world's coming undone. The, the world's unraveling. The world is losing direction. The, the world is losing focus. We're losing our compass. The compass is there, but there's no looking at the compass anymore. The, the world is unraveling. Who's not going to be unraveled in this day if not the church? If not Jesus' people, if not the church, the called out ones, we're the ones that can maintain and keep the moral compass. We're the ones who, with the Spirit of God moving in us, can stay on the course to stay in place and in line with God's move and work in the world today. I want to be a part of that. I want to be someone that can point people to Christ, 
people who are lost and wondering and searching, just kind of like Becky and and John's son-in-law, you know, just seeking and searching. I want to be someone that can say, look here. Look here and not only have the knowledge to do it, but have the Spirit's power within me to do it also. There are evidences, my friend, in your life today if the Holy Spirit is at work in you. Let's look at Galatians chapter 5. And I'm going to read two segments there in Galatians 5. I'm going to start with verses 16 through 18. Paul says, So I say, live by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the sinful nature. For the sinful nature desires what is contrary to the Spirit, And the spirit, what is contrary to the sinful nature, they are in conflict with each other, so that you do not do what you want. But if you are led by the spirit, you are not under law. Verse 22, but the fruit of the spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the sinful nature with its passions and desires. Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. Paul's describing the life of someone who's living under the control of the Holy Spirit. My friend, as believers today... Even though that you've accepted Christ as Savior and the Holy Spirit lives within you, God calls us to a relationship with the Holy Spirit where we yield. Do you ever get on the highway and you see that yellow sign with those two black lines coming together? It's telling you to yield. Okay. Now the question is, and maybe you found this too, who yields to who? The experience on the road is quite different, is it not? Now, wait a second, I thought you were yielding, and, you know. The point of the matter is, is to make uh, the traffic pattern, you know, safe. There needs to be a yielding, one to the other. In the spiritual life, how is it that what we desire with the Holy Spirit's control in our life, why is it that that doesn't happen nearly as much as it should? It's a yielding problem. It's a yielding issue. It's a control issue. Who's in control? We cannot be in control and have the Spirit moving and working in our life the way he wants to move and work in our life. It's a control issue when we yield and give the control over to the Holy Spirit. He takes us up on it and he says, I'll lead. I'll control. I'll fill. I'll speak. I'll guide your life. I'll fill your spirit. You control. You yield. You give up control, and I will take the lead. I want the Holy Spirit to take the lead. I know that many of you do too. It's a yielding. Remember, within you is also the sinful nature. I encountered mine this morning. I don't know how many of you may have encountered yours already today. We have within us a sinful nature. And notice the relationship between the Holy Spirit and the sinful nature in you. Paul says there's a fight going on. There's a conflict. There's a push 
Maybe you felt it today where the Spirit has been leading and directing and your flesh goes, "Uh uh-uh, no, I want it my way. I want to do things my way. I'm selfish. I see a better way. That's our sinful nature, warring, fighting, in conflict with our Spirit, with the Holy Spirit. It's good to feel the fight because you know the presence of the Spirit is at work. It's scary not to feel the fight because if you don't feel the fight, the flesh is winning. Your sinful nature is running your life if you don't feel the fight. There is a fight. There is a fight. Here's the evidence I want to talk about for a couple minutes. Evidence that you're living under the Spirit's control. Verse 22, but the fruit of the Spirit's work in your life. That's what Paul's really trying to say, okay? The evidence, fruit is evidence. Fruit is evidence of a tree that's healthy and strong. Paul used imagery there that we would even understand today, that the growing of fruit, healthy fruit, is based on the health of the tree. You can't have a healthy apple without a healthy tree. You can't have a healthy orange without a healthy tree, including the root system that's fed and watered, including the branches that oftentimes are pruned in order for healthier fruit to come. Right nutrients from the rain and the sun to nourish the tree. All of that's important for the tree to produce good fruit. My friend, we're just spiritual trees. And if the Spirit of God is at work in you and at me, then the things that come out of our life are going to be loving and joy and peace and goodness We're going to exhibit gentleness. We're going to be patient. What is all of that? In our culture, we're tempted to think, well, there are things that I have to work at. I have to work at being more loving. I need to work at being more joyful. I know I need to work on patience, and goodness would be a good thing for me to work on too. And so we take out the self-help information, and we try to just do better. I just need to do better. I don't know how many times I've said that in my life. If I had a dollar for every time I said it, I'd be a rich person today. I just need to do better. When really Paul's saying, no, you need to move closer. You need to come closer to the word of God and the spirit of God. And as you move closer to the spirit and the word of God, the spirit of God will cause the fruit of God, the fruit of his spirit, to begin to come out of your life. Where does love come from? The Spirit of God. Where does patience come from? The Spirit of God. Where does goodness come from? The Spirit of God. We're like trees today, my friend, not to be caught in the self-help mentality of Christianity today. That's not the way it happens. The way it happens is to move closer to God. And as you move closer to him, his Spirit will produce his fruit in your life. Here we see that the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, patience, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. In the New English translation, it says it like this, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, colon, joy, peace, patience, gentleness, goodness, faith, self-control. In other words, do you want to see the definition of this love? It's right here. The the other eight qualities are what flows 
out of love. And if this love, my friend, is produced by God in us, it's God's type of love. The Bible talks about God's type of love, agape love. You know that term, agape? Agape love is God's unconditional love, his type of love. And as we close this morning, I want to describe three types that extend from God's love today. Because, you know what, we have a capacity to love on our own. But that love is a very selfish love. We have the capacity to love others. And it's a love that sometimes is based on what we're getting back. Well, I'm going to love her, so she'll love me back. I'm going to care for him, so he'll recognize me and care for me back. How many of you realize it usually doesn't happen that way? Isn't it true? I'm going to do for and love, and now I'm waiting to see where, where is it? It's not coming back. That's a self-seeking or a selfish love. God's love that he develops in us is completely different. Three characteristics of this kind of love I want to share this morning. First of all, God's love is a sacrificial love. A laying down for the needs of another without looking for anything in return. How do you get that kind of love? It's the work of the Spirit in you. We can't love that way as human beings. Even the best human being among us can't love consistently in a sacrificial love. That's God's love. That's the way he's loved us. In fact, in 1 John 3.16, it says, This is how we know what love is. We sing a song that has this right in it. Jesus Christ laid down his life, and we ought to lay down our lives for our brothers. This is God's love. Sacrificial. Things aren't going to come back. We just give it. We just share it. We just bless others with it. We just do for others. We lay down our lives, our reputations, the pay me back, give it back to me mentality. That's not what Jesus did. He didn't hang on the cross and say, I'm expecting 2.5 billion people to recognize this. He didn't go to the cross with that kind of agenda. He went to the cross with, I lay it down. I just lay it down. And when the Holy Spirit is at work in you, sacrificial love can flow from you. The sacrificial love that others will look and say, that certainly doesn't make much sense at all. There's no payback in that. Why would they do that? There's nothing coming back to them. There's no blessing for them in that. There was no blessing for Jesus in the cross. Yet he did. If God's love, by God's spirit, is working through us, the love that we have will be sacrificial. Secondly, the love that we have will be unusual love. An unusual love. A love that overcomes wrong. A love that blesses others when they're not blessing you. When they're not blessing you, Jesus in Matthew 5, and if you have your Bibles, go back. I want you to see these verses as we close this morning. Matthew 5, verses 43 and following. This is an unusual love. 
You have heard it said, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I tell you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you, that you may be sons of your Father in heaven. He causes his son to rise on the evil and the good and sends rain on the righteous and the unrighteous. For if you love those who love you, what reward will you get? Are not even the tax collectors doing that? And if you greet only your brothers, what are you doing more than others? Do not even the pagans do that. Be perfect, therefore, as your Father in heaven is perfect. The love that the Spirit of God produces in us is an unusual love. It's a love that's a blessing love for those who do not bless you. It's a love that you can extend to those who are your enemies, people who would rather persecute you. What's our response to persecution in this day? Love. What's our response to someone who gives us a difficult time, someone who feels like an enemy in our life? Love. Where does that love come from? It's something the Spirit can do within you and within me because it's not a natural response at all. And then finally, this love is a reconciling love. It's a sacrificial love. It's an unusual love. And it's a reconciling love. Stay in Matthew 5 and go back up to verses 23 and 24. Therefore... If you are offering your gift at the altar and there remember that your brother has something against you, leave your gift there in front of the altar. First go and be reconciled to your brother. Then come and offer your gift. You say, well, Pastor Cindy, you talked about that last week. I know. I know. And for some reason I'm drawn to this again, and maybe there's a reason for you that I'm drawn to this again, and that is this. That when the Spirit of God lives in you and lives in me, it's a reconciling love that we have. And this is not the way it's played out. Well, I will reconcile when. I will wait for them to come and ask me to work it out. And I'm waiting. And I'm waiting. Oh, brother and sister, you're going to wait a long, long time. You're going to live your whole Christian life distanced from brothers and sisters in Christ. You'll sit in the back, they'll sit in the front. You'll sit on the right, they'll sit on the left. You'll walk down the north hallway, they'll walk down the south hallway. They'll pick up their kids first from the nursery, and you'll wait and pick them up later. Anything to try to navigate. We have a pretty big building here. Anything to be able to try to navigate around. My friend, that's not the way to go. This, Matthew 5, is the way to go. In fact, this is more important than the songs you sing, the gifts you give in the offering, the times that you raise your hand in worship, the word of God that you take into your heart. Reconciliation, according to the biblical statement here, is more important than the gift that you bring to God, and we all bring them. What's more important? Your relationship with those around you that are also bringing their gifts to God. In fact, Jesus says, stop, leave your gift at the altar, and go find the person that you need to reconcile with. God's love, by God's Spirit, reconciles people to one another. You know, there should be nothing between any of us in this room. There shouldn't be anything between me and you. 
There shouldn't be anything between you and anyone else. Now, Pastor Cindy, I'm right, and they're wrong. And so, you know, if you knew the whole picture, I didn't see anything in Matthew 5 that said, now, if you're right, and if you're wrong, he just said, be reconciled. There's something greater than being right. All you firstborns out there, I'm speaking to myself. There's something greater than being right. If you're right and you hold to being right, you're going to be alone being right. The love that you need to have in your relationships can't flow because you're isolated in your rightness. And God wants reconciliation. Your reconciliation is greater than your being right or them being wrong, or vice versa. I encourage you today, if you're hungry for the Spirit of God in your life, he's not going to take up a fullness in your life until you yield and reconcile. I don't know if I'm speaking to one person, 15 people, 100, I don't know how many I'm speaking to. That's not important. The important thing is, as your pastor, I love you, And I'm calling you, if you need to reconcile, to reconcile. It affects the flow of God's spirit in his body. I just encourage you today, let the love of the spirit flow through you to reconcile you. Let the love of the spirit flow through you in unusual ways where even your enemies are blessed. Let the spirit of God love through you in sacrificial ways. Because that's when you're going to see the hand of God move in your life, is when you sacrifice and you give. Let's pray. Father, in this moment, we just want to wait in your presence and allow your Holy Spirit to speak what he needs to speak to our hearts. Victory life, the Lord is calling us to love. To love, not in the ways that are comfortable to us, but the ways that Jesus has shown us. As our heads are bowed and our eyes are closed, you might say, Pastor Cindy, um, the Holy Spirit's spoken to me this morning about one of these ways of loving And I just want to acknowledge that. Would you just lift your hand? The Lord's spoken to me about love today. About loving. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I encourage you this morning, whatever the Lord has spoken to you about, don't leave today and forget. Whatever he's asked you to do, do it. Do it. Lord, I just pray today for the power of the Holy Spirit for each one who's lifted their hand and said, I need to move in love. I need to move in love. Especially for those who need to reconcile, Lord, with a brother and sister in Christ, Lord. I just pray, Father, that you would move. Give them courage. Lord, may there be the flow of love anew and afresh in those relationships, Lord, I pray. Thank you, Lord. For then, Lord, 
they will know that we are Christians because of our love. In Jesus' name, amen.